Welcome to the Ramon Foster Show, brought to you as always by our friends at the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where they are open 24-7, serving hot, fresh food. Moan, what's going on on this Tuesday? Man, not a lot, man. You know what I'll say? It's not second money. It feels like a Tuesday, and you know what? I'm going to respect it as such. <laughs> Treat it as such. What did that sound a, like right there? As a, as a great man once spoke before <laughs> a game against Cleveland. <laughs> uh, today is... Pro Day at Liberty, and Malik Willis is throwing in front of pretty much everyone who's employed Mm -hmm. by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Tomlin was the first head coach on the scene. He was there so early he was watching the weightlifting session, which is not something that a head coach has to watch. I know. I see. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Kevin Colbert, Brandon Hunt, they're all there, the entire crew. And... That's going to lead, Mm -hmm. no doubt, Mm -hmm. all kinds of speculation about do they still look at a quarterback in this draft? Mm. That's very interesting. And it's a lot of things that go into, you know, who's showing up to your pro day. There's not a whole lot of guys at Liberty that I, I, I think you say, yeah, they're here for. It's not like it's Georgia or LSU Alabama. Most people are there for one guy and maybe one or two of his receivers. Um, so when you ask the question, is Pittsburgh still in the running for a quarterback? I'd go with yeah, simply because look at the deal that you know we're looking at Mr. Trubisky has. It's really a bridge kind of deal if we're being completely honest about it. Mm-hmm. Now, you ask me, do we want Malik Willis this year or do you want to kind of weigh your options and say, I'll wait till next year? And that's where I don't know if Pittsburgh can handle being bad for a year. You know, tank for Tua and suck for luck, those type of things. I don't know if that's the case because there are some good quarterbacks that are coming out next year, but it depends on where Pittsburgh will be picking from. Now, if we look at the AFC North, just AFC as a as a whole, you're like, hey, Pittsburgh's got some sledding to do as far as, you know, getting through the crap of what the schedule's going to be, how many wins and losses you're going to get. One thing I do know for sure, that defense is still damn good, and that's going to keep them in games. What happens with Mr. Trubisky as far as what Matt Canada does with him with that offense uh, is yet to be determined. But if it's me understanding what Pittsburgh has always done as of lately is compete, is always be in those games, is always, you know what, finding a way to squeak one out. What is it supposed to be Buffalo? Beat them. Wasn't supposed to be the Tennessee Titans this year. Beat them. Wasn't supposed to be probably four other teams that was on the schedule this past year. And you still did it. And for those reasons, I don't think you can bank on having a top 10 pick next year, which is why I think if you got a quarterback that you really like, like Malik Willis right now, okay, you might look at him and say he played at Liberty. Some of his big time games that he had against better opponents, it wasn't great. But But then you ask yourself, well, what was his help like? Did he have many receivers? Uh, can I grab that guy? Because you know this too. Coaches have egos. Coaches always feel like I can fix that guy. Fix that guy. I can be <laughs> I, that one. Yep. I, I'm the one to get him. So Malik Willis draft stock probably holds around 15 to 20. If Pittsburgh does happen to make uh, a, a move up at 18, if they 18, if they think somebody might want to come get him. Uh, I'd say they try to move up, but I think he sit fair at 20 considering the moves, honestly, that these other teams in NFL have made for a quarterback this year. You got Matt Ryan in Indianapolis right now. You got Baker Mayfield still on the market and nobody wants him. 
You got Carolina that might end up getting Kenny Pickett. Like there's a lot of scenarios that play, that go into play. And I think the second quarterback might end up being Malik Willis, if anything. And I don't think Pittsburgh should hide the fact if they do want him. So Mitch may be a bridge. His pace says that the same way Marcus Mariota's pace said he's a bridge. The same way that who else just signed? Uh, James Winston is another bridge guy. Um, but if I look at those two teams and I say, well, Pittsburgh's probably in a better situation than Carolina, Saints, and probably uh, Seattle at this point as far as teams, that's probably going to be your next – those are going to be your top three picks as far as who's going to get the next guys for next year. So, yeah, go get Kenny if you have the ability to and you believe he's your guy. Yeah, and th- these are back-to-back pro days, by the way. I definitely didn't uh, mean to leave out the fact that Pitt's pro day – was here yesterday, uh, Kenny Pickett, uh, yeah. by every count, did quite well uh, on uh, on every component uh, that was sought of him. Uh, and and by the way, the Steelers brass was there too because they just had to walk <laughs> right across next the lawn. door. Also, <laughs> so, Kenny grew like a quarter inch on his hand. By the way, I what thought a miracle, huh? <laughs> I, I guess I guess he had basically just placed his hand underneath like a bus lane. Or something. <laughs> just on twenty eight. That's it, man. Just here it goes. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's up to like eight and five eighths or something. It's like go Kenny's hand, go you know. Uh, but Malik Willis is generally not universally, but generally seen as the top quarterback in the class. Mm-hmm. In what's not seen as a great class at the position. Yeah. So maybe it's realistic for the Steelers to think that he could fall to twenty. But then you mentioned the Panthers, uh, meaning the Carolina Panthers. Yes. They're at every one of these things. They were all over Pickett. They were all over Willis today. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the same representation down there. So they obviously pick ahead of Pittsburgh. Uh, are you going to have to see a leapfrogging? You know, sometimes people read too much, I think, into Tomlin's body language when he's <laughs> at these things. Do you know what I'm saying? No. Because he gets so into it and they think oh he just must absolutely love these these kids you know what i mean and he's going to do yeah. anything to get them i agree with you that's that's a huge misconception of what coach t does he's a very cerebral guy he know all cameras are on him he also knows that look uh if they see me doing something they'll read into it and i think that's what coach t is and we've seen him love on guys before in the past and they never sniff pittsburgh I'm talking about mm-hmm. ever sniff Pittsburgh. There's a whole lot of courting that goes on in this pre-draft. And truth be told, at a position like that where you may feel somebody might get him and you might play them, you know, mm-hmm. it's a little bit of intel. Because most of the time, the young guys, they want to show how smart they are. And then showing how smart they are, they'll divulge some information that can be used against them in game-like situations. You know how many times I've heard them kind of bring that up? Yeah, well, he told us in his pre-draft wow. meetings. <laughs> Those are the things that kind of happen, man. Everything is a chess match. And especially when it comes down to Coach T, you know I've said that time and time again. Look, that guy plays a different game when it comes down to breaking down a football game. And that's what has kept him relevant for such a long time with the way he wins. When we come back on the Ramon Foster Show, we're going to talk about what it means when a team hangs a grade on a guy. <laughs> Back to the Ramon Foster Show. 
And if I had to hang a grade, what, if you had to hang a grade, Moan, on that first segment, how did we do? I definitely think we were first round picks. First round picks? It was an A. See, have you ever heard the term, the phrase, hang a grade, and applying to anything other than an NFL team assigning something internally? other than what the player was actually picked at. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like we've always heard, uh, like, honestly, I use myself. A grade mm-hmm. that was hung on me was like third to fifth round. Right, and even even though you obviously went undrafted, the Steelers told you yeah. that they'd hung a third round grade on you. Yeah, which is it just crazy, crazy. And, and you know what? That right there, as far as the independent hanging of grades on prospects is what keeps keep guys in the league for a very long time too because a guy will get in the building and be devalued big time big time by an organization but there's always a team or two to say you know what they got him before we did we hung a second round pick on him and truthfully they took him Uh, in the first so because of that i'll go ahead and take the talent in which we graded him as and that's the beauty of, of of having 32 different teams. The independent film studies, some 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 uh, scouting departments are just totally different from others. They may break a guy down and make him a fifth rounder because they don't feel he does. He moves his right foot the way he needs to or he can't cut off the way you need to. And where somebody in Pittsburgh may say, you know what, that's a teachable point right there. I can get the I can get him in our building. Coach him up, and you know what? Put a two on him. Hang hang a second rounder pick on him. And it also might have to go ahead. Go ahead. No, and I was just gonna say that's what happens when you're breaking down guys and guys see film different. Um, you you just view the world different. That's one of the things why I've always always respected about Pittsburgh is is their ability to grade guys a whole lot differently than other programs have. Well, they almost have to if you think about it. Let's talk about edge rushers, for example. Yeah. The Steelers really kind of set their own template for what yes. they viewed as an edge rusher, and it applies to this day. Uh, when you look at Alex Highsmith and his college background, you look at TJ Watt and his college background. Yeah. Uh, they're looking for a certain skill set. Lamar Woodley was actually yep. a great example of this. Yes. Where. They're going to value him differently than another team might. And Moan, they're going to produce a list that's going to be different, maybe violently different from the other 31 teams in the league. Yes. what What drives you nuts is that when the draft day actually comes along and you're watching the draft Yep. and you're based only on the last Mel Kuyper thing you saw deciding whether or not it's a good pick. Well, God love Mel. He doesn't have access to a fraction no. of the information that no. these teams do. No, absolutely not. And you got to think to yourself, they can't have that much information on mm-hmm. those guys either, simply because they don't have as many people. Is one person working as you got 20 in the department in Pittsburgh. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's, I'll, I'll never forget just watching um, people react to the, honestly, the T.J. Watt pick. Those mm-hmm. people were like guys inside and out of the building because we knew of J.J., but you didn't know what T.J. could do. He was like, oh, there's a little brother. And i never forget watching, you know, Coach T being one of the guys on the forefront. Just watch him. That's all he would say. And all you could think is, how did y'all find a guy like T.J. Watt who has the pedigree similar to his brother, but he's not built like J.J.? 
No, he's how did not. y'all? How did you know he was going to turn into this? And that's one of the things I think in general that Pittsburgh does a whole lot different than anybody else is they find guys like Javon Hargraves. Like I've always kind of said in general, like Pittsburgh is almost like wide receiver. You, they always know how to find guys, whether it be from the Mac, whether it's an SEC guy, whether it's a West Coast guy, like wherever they from, they find a guy that you're like, how in the hell did y'all get him? And I think it's the eyes are different. So, and, and this is the other part, too. Whenever a certain guys get cut in Pittsburgh, they'll always get opportunities because they know that if Pittsburgh saw them and they hung a two on them or five on them, you say to yourself, well, if they got them, I can use them, too. You know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, it's it's and the, even, the whole independent thought that's involved in this. And again, yes. I don't want to make Pittsburgh sound like, ooh, they're so much better yeah, than no, else. Because they missed, oh, too. Yeah, there's yeah, they missed two, and there are 32 teams that all have different processes with this. Also, different priorities. Yes, within that, you know, um, I I'd never be able to get through a segment on hunger grade without bringing up the Steelers hanging a third round. I'm sorry, hanging a first round grade on Mason Rudolph. Yeah, if you believe that. The Steelers have never explicitly come right out and said that. They never said we hung a one on him. You know what I mean? But but it, you go you ahead. hear it you hear it in everything that they say though or yes. was saying before you know the Mitch conversation comes around. And I still do think they they feel a certain way about him. Truthfully, truth be told, like Mr. Biscay can still be a backup if Mason goes out and set the world on fire. Which is why I also say if they like Malik Willis, then you better take him now because if if Mason does do well enough to start, then I think Pittsburgh's above five hundred and they're picking twentieth again, and you miss the top ten quarterback picks. You know, and and again, their method of of doing this hanging a great thing. Think about where this team turned over, and you go get guys in the Bill Nunn era. You know, like that says a whole lot about how Pittsburgh has evaluated and what they thought because a lot of those guys in that building learned under him or was around him enough to understand his methods on hanging grades on guys, you know? Yeah, that's for for anybody who's not familiar, the late Bill Nunn who just inducted into the Hall of Fame, Mm -hmm. uh, legendary scout who really was the first uh, and, and represented the Steelers being the first team to get into the black colleges, particularly in the South and finding yes. John Stallworth and lots of other legends who were being under, uh, well, Scout- under scouted yeah. really more than anything else. There weren't enough eyeballs on them and you didn't have pro days and combines and analytics. You just no. had to go lay your eyes on them. Yeah. And that was the beginning of the Steelers really kind of thinking outside the box when it comes scouting when we come back a fun edition of hey moan welcome back to the ramon foster show brought to you by the get-go cafe and market and today's hey moan segment comes from kim taylor and she says hey moan the steelers have interviewed 16 candidates for the gm job why so many who would you select as the Steelers' next GM and why? Uh, Kim, right? Um, it has mm-hmm. to be thorough. It just does. And this is going to sound cocky, conceited, uh, elitist when I say this type of stuff. Um, but Pittsburgh has to operate like this. 
as far as the head coaches, as far as the GMs, as far as major moves being made with that organization, because let's be real, it's one of those staple organizations that you refer to when you're speaking about the NFL. You mentioned Pittsburgh, you mentioned Cowboys, you mentioned Green Bay, you mentioned um, the Giants. Okay, let's be honest, the Washington football, Washington Commanders. We're talking about like staple organizations, you know, and if you want to go back a little bit further, you go to the L.A. Chargers. You can throw that name in there also, and I might be missing one or two, but you can't make mistakes when you're making these type of moves. And to, to me, this is a major move. And the other side, why 16? Because the guy that you pick has to be thoroughly vetted. The guy that you pick, you got to go through the good candidates. Let's be real. And you also got to interview some bad ones to say, no, we don't want that. Now, Pittsburgh, they won't tell them you're a bad candidate. But of the 16, <laughs> not, not every single one of them were home runs. And we know that to be true. And I told you, DK, um, uh, about this, just looking at the, the list of executives that Pittsburgh has had. They've had eight since 1936. And, yeah. okay, of that eight, three of them have been family members. Okay, from the beginning, Art Rooney, founder. Duh, he's going to be the GM of his team. Second family member, Dan Rooney, only did it for one year, 69 to 70. And then from that, Art Rooney Jr., he went from 1971 to 86. So when we're speaking about GMs, you've had five outsiders and the rest has been family. So when it comes mm. down to why so many, it's because you got to get this correct. You got to get and, it and right. You do. And, and the GM, more than anything, what leads to stability, it leads to where the answer is coming from. Pittsburgh, if you go through an era of every three years changing GMs like some organizations do, or you have a bunch of outside noises that control what you do, as a GM, as far as making moves, as far as signing guys back, as far as, as, far as draft picks, that can lead to a, a, a purgatory of just bad. Yeah, so this it's, guy it's, has it, to be it, the person. It, yeah, he has to be. It's one thing to say, oh, we like stability. We like stability. But to keep someone bad on the job mm. is not the answer just for no. the sake of stability. So it's an important, obviously, it's a critically it's critical hire and to have the process get arranged the way it has uh, by Art Rooney in this case, where he has told Kevin Colbert, who's running yeah. the process, which incidentally is kind of like, wow, right? Yeah. Um, that he's going and bringing in people because he wants to find the next person who will continue the Steelers way. Mm-hmm. of doing things. Uh, there's even been uh, a, an instruction, basically, that says that this next person is going to have to work with Mike Tomlin in the same way that yeah. Colbert did. Well, that's an unusual relationship in professional sports. So there's but a if lot you've there. seen them two together, though, Coach Tomlin and Kevin Colbert are, are like this. Now, there are probably some disagreements, but let me be honest with you. I've never seen it. Wow. No, and you know it's always... It's some blowups that happen because why is sports? But I can go on record and say, to my knowledge, I've never seen him and Coach Tomlin, Kevin Coburn, Coach Tomlin, just butt heads. And we've seen publicly some organizations have the GM and the head coach publicly be on the wrong page. I hadn't seen that. So for that to be a point, that's very important. Well, let's look at who this is actually going to be, since that was the other part of Kim's question. Um, You know, I'm seeing Brandon Hunt lining up for this job for a long, long time. And I can't imagine they would have strung him out just to say, nah, we're going to keep you where you are. Um, But there's also Omar Khan. What do you do 
with with one or both of these guys? Um, I, I've seen the list too when it comes down to people being interviewed. I think they released like three other names they did last week. Mm-hmm. The head, headliners to me, Brandon Hunt, Omar Khan, Lewis Riddick. Hmm. Those three guys. I like Lewis Riddick um, simply because I think he's a smart, bright guy. I feel like he know how to uh, break down film and, and talk to and see talent. You hear that on, on TV. If he doesn't get it in Pittsburgh, he'll get it somewhere very soon. The guy that I want it's two. It's, it's Omar and it's Brandon Hunt. Brandon Hunt is as savvy as you can be. He's even kill. He's not an emotional leader. And I think the same goes with Omar, too, as far as him understanding how the Steelers operate. Those rosters that we've had in the past have been orchestrated or written up and broken down because of Omar Khan. Now, Omar's also interviewed for other jobs, too. So the fact that he has aspirations to be a GM says that they either got to co-make it that decision or go with Brandon Hunt. Co, like co-GMs. Co-GMs, yes. Would that be well, the most Steelers thing ever, by the way, to just like create titles out of thin air <laughs> like that and just say, you know what, we've got two guys. This is what we're going to do. But that could also cause a little bit of, of, of riff, and I don't think they would ever get to that point. I think a decision will be made. But uh, Omar, if, if he's not in the role with Brandon Hunt and, and I – I think they make something more important for him because other people have been involved, have been interviewing Omar Khan. And I think you see the genius that he is and who he's learned under also when it comes to building a team. If I'm going with it, I'm going Brandon Hunt one, Omar one a. Hmm. We can just make up titles as we go. You know what? We may as well. GM, side czar, salary cap czar, something like that, right? That's what we do. All right, Moan, let's do it again tomorrow. We're going to hang a grade on this episode tomorrow. <laughs>